everybody. Welcome to another great edition of Talking Ticks. Uh, I'm Scott Gerard. Joining me, per usual, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Got a really good one for you this week, folks. A lot to get into, including the national title game. Michigan takes out Washington to win it all. We also have some LSU recruiting, big LSU recruiting news, uh, which Daniel's going to help us out with. Uh, Might have been a transfer or two also. But the other big news is uh, LSU got that Tiger. They they got Blake Baker. I think the guy most people thought about and wanted. Blake Baker is a Tiger again. Going to go over that as well, as well as some some other lanyap. I know there's basketball going on. We might give you folks some updates on that as well. But before we do any of that, I want to check in with you guys. Uh, still feels like it's I don't know. I don't know. I kind of feel like New Year's is so far away it's really only a week but a lot's transpired in that week uh i guess both with lsu and us personally but how y'all doing good good to be with you good to be i mean you know sad to have the uh the end of this college football season but um excited to be talking uh-huh. about it with y'all and you know they're with one season ending here comes another one pretty quick and i think we got a lot to look forward to yeah it's uh Always a little bit of a sad feeling once college football's over and you're staring down that, I guess, eight-month stretch without it uh, as we tr- transition now from football to basketball and then baseball's not too far away, which uh, the LSU faithful are always excited about that. And yeah, um, had the big matchup last night, Monday night in Houston between Michigan and Washington, and it was a pretty good game. It wasn't the best national championship ever, but I enjoyed uh, watching it and uh, congrats to Michigan for taking it down. Kind of crazy that they went 15 and 0. I was like, and you're thinking like that was Michigan, like one of the best teams of all time. I was like, I don't, I don't know if that's true, but mm-hmm. uh, they had, they had a good performance at least. So uh, Harbaugh may be sailing off soon. Right, <laughs> we're still here in, in LSU land. Right, and uh, I definitely got some takes on that game and Michigan Harbaugh, all of that. Uh, but Tommy, I don't know, just just for clarity for our listeners. Because you did say it's you know the next season's coming, so is it? Are you are you referring to basketball season, or are you just kind of looking ahead to you know Jay Johnson? I mean baseball season that's coming up. I was actually, to be honest, I was actually referring to the next football season just because you know like with our with recruiting we're doing and like the and the the you know Blake Baker uh, being you know signed as defensive coordinator. Like, I mean, we're not going to be seeing action on the field anytime soon. But uh, there's a lot, you know, a lot of good seems to be going on in this program. Yeah. So it's pretty much always football season. It kind of is. This is this this is as as Brian Kelly is, you know, kind of made his mantra, the state of football. Yeah. They have their shirts, you know. Uh, And yeah, I mean, tip tip of the hat to to Brian Kelly. But we'll we'll um, we'll we'll get into that. But as far as this game Yeah, I don't know. I would say it was a good game kind of in the middle. I'd say the the beginning of the game and the end, man, Michigan was just kind of in control of it. You could just tell. And towards the end, you could definitely see it on Washington. I'll be honest, I I kind of felt bad for Michael Penix uh, Jr. just because, I don't know, we we kind of expected more. It wasn't his best game, but, I, you know, that offensive line, which was – I believe voted the best in the country uh, just did not fare well. He was under pressure most of the night. I mean, he did have some good, some good plays. You could definitely see some 
some talent there of why he was the Heisman runner up, but not really many down long downfield shots like they were used to. Uh, but I would say for what we saw with Michigan, how they were better than Alabama by, you know, literally a few plays. I think they were better than Washington by a few quarters. I'd say I'd give three quarters to Michigan, maybe one or so to Washington. Right. What do you say, Daniel? I, like you said, it was a good game, certainly better than last year when Georgia chased TCU out of the building and just absolutely blow out. And that's that's what I thought we were getting this year at the very beginning because I was pretty high on Washington, but then Michigan just right out the gate, uh, raced off to a touchdown. Washington got a field goal, and then Michigan came right back and was up 14-3 to three, uh, like midway through the first quarter. Thankfully, the, the Huskies kind of steadied themselves after that and, and got a little bit of offense going, but... Uh, yeah, the, the big story was Michael Penix not being able to play up to his Heisman finalist standards. He was overthrowing passes, missing uh, a lot of connections with his talented wide receiver crew, and they just were not on the same page. And he was not uh, accurate on his deep ball that we were heralding last year again or last year, last week against Al- uh, Texas. And it, it was a completely different team. He did look like he was playing a little bit hurt. He was kind of grabbing his ribs and then he. Uh, suffered I think a bit of a minor ankle injury later on in the game so he was banged up so you can't blame him for that but uh, he wasn't 100% and that's what Washington needed and then they they couldn't make up for it elsewhere in the game Michigan kind of played a a classic almost Alabama-esque game plan kind of ground and pound in the trenches only throwing when you have to and then kind of controlling the the pace of the game and, and it worked to their advantage as they uh, kept the lead the entire game, and then two touchdowns at the end by Blake Corum sealed the deal. It was a little bit closer than the score indicates. I mean, Washington was in it with eight minutes left to play, uh, so it looks like Michigan blew them out, but that wasn't really the case. But congrats to the Wolverines. I mean, 15-0 season, nothing to scoff at. I think there's only been three teams maybe that have done that, including LSU in 2019. So uh, they closed out the college football playoff era a 14 playoff that is uh, with a bang and we roll into the next generation with the 12 team playoff next year. So who knows what will happen there. I know. And uh, yeah, it does seem it's kind of been the case maybe the last few years where the, it seemed like there was one or two really good semifinal games, but uh, the final game, uh, you know, it wasn't as good of a matchup. I mean, even with LSU's championship year in parentheses, best season ever, uh, you know, we blew the, we chased Oklahoma out of the building. Clemson was a little bit better test, but I think the better game in that one was that Ohio State Clemson game. So, committee's not going to get it right every time. I, you know, I thought with the semifinals, they did a really good job. It's just you can't project who's going to play who. So, uh, like if I'd have said, I forget who, what our predictions were, but I, I felt like Washington did have a chance, but it just kind of looked like a different team. A little bit, right? Just maybe because Penix didn't really have any time back there. He mm-hmm. was missing wide, wide open guys. I mean, he had a, a Dunsey open, completely wide open and just overthrew him. Um, and, you know, I know their uh, main running back, Johnson, was hurt. And if you looked at both of the plays, because they both got hurt in that game, it was the same thing. Guy tackling him, falling down on that ankle. I was thinking, see, this is going to be exhibit A and B next year when they try and eliminate that kind of tackling again i don't know what that leaves them but 
uh, I, I did see it. So uh, it sucks that they were both kind of hurt from that. Although, yeah, it's just you could tell Penix was really hurting from the ribs later on. Like he could barely walk out of the stadium without stopping, taking a breath, slumping over. Just kind of really feel for the guy. But it's football. I mean, I give them both credit for pressing on and not having the backups come in. You know. Uh huh. Is it weird? Even Michigan actually put in the backup quarterback orgy for a little while. Um, they were running kind of a two quarterback scheme. He was the the running guy. Yeah. And like JJ McCarthy didn't throw a single touchdown pass. And I think he only completed like 10 passes. That's why I was saying it was kind of the vintage Alabama performance where it's like you lean all the way on the run game and then that stifling defense, which the Michigan defense actually played really well uh, across the board, both their uh, line and their cornerbacks. And so um, I think they were the first team since like a hundred years to hold all opponents like 25 points or less in in the same season, which is kind of a crazy stat, but yeah. um, I guess that's, that's big 10 football for you these days. I, know, I was about to say, I feel like it kind of shows who they're playing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was like, yeah, cause it's ground and pound in the run. It's, it's one in the trenches, but not as much of an aerial assault. Uh, didn't need it. Uh, Washington gave up the ball that way a couple times, right? Pinnock's uncharacteristic of him, I think, where just that second interception was just just did not need to happen. Um, you could tell he was just trying to hope for something. But in one of the – like just Michigan did really good with the field position. Like they did get two picks. One of them, though, it's like it flipped the field like 60 yards. The guy almost ran it all the way back. So uh, they just – I think dominated most of the game uh, and that's what they needed to do. Now there could still be some question of what happens with Harbaugh. Although I saw one interview after the game where he was talking about, Oh yeah, now that we won, we're going to, you know, push spring pack practice back a bit. So I don't know if that's just lip service so that the Wolverine fans have a time to enjoy their title. But I mean, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of like the balls in his court. Right. Like we were like, there's so many people waiting on to see if that's really going to be the case, but couldn't really, couldn't really tell anything from last night. Yeah, I know. I mean, you know, you definitely, uh, you definitely hear him just talking about staying, but that's, we've seen that with other coaches before, right? Like it's kind of, I mean, Brian Kelly was going to stay at Notre Dame and be there and, you know, never even thought about leaving. Yeah. Right. And then the NFL coaching carousel is already turning as their regular season is now finished and coaches are getting fired left, right and center. So uh, I think the Falcons fired their head coach. Titans let go of their guy today. So there's certainly positions available if he wants to make the leap back to the league and then Michigan will be open. And then we're talking about Brian Kelly going there and then, and then it goes round and round. So it's people love to speculate and we've done a fair amount of that on the podcast, but uh, it may just be better to, see what plays out over the next couple of weeks. Cause I'm certain that there will be unexpected moves both at the pro and college level that we can break down when that happens. Um, at least LSU got one guy for defensive coordinator, not to jump on the news too early on. <laughs> but she already did. No, that's okay. But speaking of unexpected, I just wanted to share this because a friend sent it to me and it's one of those things where, you know, I'm not even buying this until I see something more, some more traction on it. And I guess this kind of goes along with the, Harbaugh leaving Kelly taking over Michigan thing because all we're going on right now is rumors. But uh, I, I did see something a friend sent me where they they were saying 
Oh, I don't know. Is, uh, is Kirby talking with maybe taking over the Falcons? Which I was like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. But, you know, how the good old boys in the, the channel start talking. I don't know. Maybe they picked up on something. But me personally, I just don't see the, that as a fit for Kirby. I mean, he seems like he's enjoying college. He's got a good program at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Played for three titles already. Uh, almost played for... Uh, another one this year just got left out, but obviously he still has the ability to keep that program sustainable. So it, it just wouldn't make sense. Um, yeah. I mean, it's down the road, but I still, don't, I don't see that as impossible, but I think Kirby yeah, is more of a college focused guy. Unlike Harbaugh, who's had connections to the NFL in the past. And like you well, said, the Super Bowl. Uh huh. And like you said, yeah. Georgia, uh, I, that was a question I was going to ask in just a second was like, very way too early national champion for next year. I think you have to say Georgia is probably in the top three contenders for that. Uh, so Kirby will have him right back there next year. Although the SEC is expanding with Texas and Oklahoma coming to the league. Uh, so it'll be a very difficult schedule for anyone, no matter what, but with 12 teams getting in, I think you can almost pencil in Georgia as one of the 12. It wouldn't be impossible if they, if they didn't make that, but I think it would be certainly unexpected. Uh, so Georgia, Alabama, they'll be knocking on the door once again, and uh, the usual suspects will be looking to hoist the inaugural 12-team trophy. Sure, but, I mean, if there's a 9-3 LSU in there and we have a fraction of a good defense, don't count us out either, all right? Right. <laughs> well, they, they just released the, the final AP poll, postseason poll, which, I mean, really doesn't mean anything, but LSU was no. number 12 in that, so if that was the metric we're going, Bobby, we would have just snuck in. Sure. All right. Um, so tell me, I don't know, do you, uh, so you not really putting any weight on the Kirby taking over the Falcons right now? Uh, I'm, I'm reserving judgment, kind of like Kelly taking over the Wolverines. Yeah. I mean, I think that, I think it makes, like Daniel said, like Kirby to me is a college guy. Uh, I, I don't know if yeah. it'd be smart for him to take over the Falcons. I think his mentor, the man who, the man who taught him everything he knows He's been down this road before, took it hanging over the Dolphins. How'd that work out? You know what I mean? Like, I just don't see, I don't see him um, having success there. And I don't, uh, and I don't see uh, it just being a good fit. I think that the the thing that makes probably the most sense about it is just that it's the Atlanta connection. It's the Georgia connection. Um, I, I don't think we'd be talking about this if it was, you know, like they're not, they're not mentioning his name for the Chargers the way they are with Harbaugh for me that that makes sense like Harbaugh is an NFL guy he's had success at the NFL level and uh, I think he's you know I think it'd be a good place for him but uh I I think it's more of just the hype of the Atlanta connection and how how excited everybody in the state of Georgia and you know this better than ever than most Scott uh, (laughs) how excited everybody is about Kirby in Georgia it's like and how disappointed they are in the Falcons yeah I mean it's it's the the disdain is very palpable I mean you can taste every week you, you've seen it over the years in the in the attendance i mean they they definitely can sell out some season tickets but they're just putting them on the market because they don't want to sit there and watch mediocrity media excuse me mediocrity especially not in a stadium where you have to use your card and everything's pretty expensive i mean it's you can get some good food at mercedes-benz stadium but it's it's pretty expensive there but yeah they're not going to put up with it uh and arthur blank obviously isn't either kirby does not seem like a fit but since we are talking about coaches and daniel kind of already uh 
leaned us in that direction. I, I know we've got some recruiting stuff to get into, but I, I, I'm really excited about this Blake Baker hire, as is the rest of Tiger Nation. So it's who we kind of thought, one of the first names that came up, who we wanted. We got him pretty quick. <laughs> Not what we've been used to with some of the coaching hires, but Woodward delivered again, I would say. Do you agree? I, I totally agree. I think this is a, a home run hire. Um, I liked him when he was, I liked him when he was here. I think that one of the great, one of the great examples you can see of him is the, is, uh, what happened with, um, Damone Clark, you know, he was that when, when Blake Baker was here previously, he was the, the linebacker coach and he took a, a, a very, very physically talented player in Damone Clark, who just really could never put it on, put it together on the field was not a very technically sound linebacker. And in one year turned him into a, I don't know if he was a first round pick, but I mean, he, he's a, a NFL starter. I believe he's, he's had a very good yeah, career so far. And he's playing well with the, with the Cowboys and the Cowboys are a good team right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so I think, uh, I think that that's a, you know, he he's, and then if you look at what he did with Missouri and taking them and, and making them a, a top 10 team um, on the defensive side of the ball, obviously a lot of credit goes to Eli Drinkowitz in his offense, but um, I think this is good. I think this would be a great hire. I like that uh, he's he's coached in Louisiana before uh, outside of LSU. He coached at Tech for a while, so he's got you know he he knows recruiting this this state maybe better than some others. Um, and, and so I'm, I'm excited about it. I think this is a great hire. This is one that we talked about, and I remember I I flagged him as a top choice, what five or six weeks ago. Um, and so I'm I'm glad it came to fruition. Right, uh, Scott Woodward obviously kind of broke the bank on him given I think three years, two and a half million per year, which makes Blake Baker the highest paid assistant coach in college football. Uh, added on to Brian Kelly's salary. We, we got a lot of money on our guys, but, but I think LSU is not upset if they're paying up for a defense that can beat last year's really anybody could do that. Just about uh, Matt house is leaving town and, and not leaving much behind, but uh, yeah, hopefully Blake Baker can turn this thing around Everybody was saying, um, watching the game last night, like Jaden Daniels could be doing way better than Michael Penix in that game. Like LSU could win that game if they had half a decent defense. And that's the, obviously the optimistic approach for next year. Um, if we can be all right, then Garrett Nussmeyer and the offense can can take us to the playoff and beyond. So uh, we'll see what he does. Obviously, a lot of transfers coming in and some talent here and there, but a, definitely a lot to, to work on, especially in the secondary. So he's, he's got a project, but um, with the LSU ties and Louisiana ties, I'm pretty confident in Blake Baker to at least improve us to middle of the pack in terms of defense, which is, would be a good stepping stone to get back to our former glory and defensive dominance of the mid-2000s. Right. Um, that was when we didn't have an offense. So now if we possibly had both, can you only imagine? Uh, and real quick about Baker, yeah, I think what Mizzou was, I, I think they were outside of the like, top 100 in defense, right, uh, before he got there, like the oh, year yeah. or two before he got there. Uh, but, yeah, now he brought them all this way just in that short amount of time. I would say that bodes well. The fact that, I mean, I know it was a, a, not your average Ohio State team, but I mean, he held him to three points in a bowl game, which is amazing. Another credit to him. 
some more history on him. Yeah, he he has coached in Louisiana. I'm sure he knows Joe Sloan pretty well too. Uh, but his wife is from Louisiana. Yeah. Didn't she graduate from? Uh, it, was it, I don't know if it was LSU, but it was. They're they're an LSU family. My my uh, my family actually kind of is knows his extended family, and so, um, okay. you know, I think I think it's a perfect fit as far as, you know, he I, he from what I heard, he wanted to be here, and and obviously Kelly went in a different direction. Clean, kind of cleaning out the whole the whole coaching staff and, and starting with fresh <laughs> hires. Well, he that that decision made well that decision by Kelly, I guess, made Baker that much more money. Probably yeah. the oh, same yeah. job that he wanted to have anyway. So yeah, no, win win for everybody. Um, yeah. But I, I did want to mention this because uh, you know we we kind of had some you know social media players can put out stuff. Sometimes it's cryptic. Same with everybody. You know, vague booking, all that, but player you could tell that there was something going on in the leading up to the postseason firing of house and i don't know it's it's kind of come out now that that was an issue right i don't know that the players went in there and like started draping their jerseys on brian <laughs> kelly's desk saying i'm not gonna play coach you know like in rudy yeah. but apparently that was an issue like the players did say something to kelly uh, I think even the Kyringo, like he just he, never seemed to connect with the players from what, from what you see. You know what I mean? Like he was never, I mean, he it, was never able to, to get on the same page with them. Right. And that obviously translated to the field. So definitely a change needed to be made. Uh, I imagine Baker, like you, like someone said earlier, we, we can't really do much worse. So if, if he brings us at least makes us at least half as good as we were this year, LSU's got a lot to be excited about. And, you know, I, I know he did a lot for Mizzou. Uh, Drinkwitz, you know, made a very nice comment, very nice complimentary statement of Baker, even though he pretty much just left him, you know, once the, <laughs> the better job came available. Uh, but, I mean, that's nothing new for us, too. So what I'm thinking is kind of like Aranda, we get him, we get the guy we want. He's going to help us with our defense. But, I have a feeling this guy's probably got his eyes on a head coaching job. So I think if we at least get two, three years, we're good. Right. Like that's, that's probably where this is going eventually. That's what you think. Um, I mean, he's a young guy. He's got a, seems like he's got a bright future. And if he's, if he can keep up, you know, the production that he's had on, on his, you know, defensive side of the ball, I don't see why he wouldn't have the opportunity to be a head coach. Mm-hmm. Um, right. The big, model in the recent history is Dave Aranda, I guess, being a solid DC at Wisconsin, coming to LSU, a few good years there, national championship, most sought after uh, coordinator in the country, and boom, head coach position at Baylor, Power 5 school. That hasn't worked out the best for him to this point, but I can't blame him for leaving there. And Blake Baker, yeah, I'm sure has high aspirations, but while we have him, hopefully things will, will be solid. So, uh, we'll see how things go, both in recruiting and in the fall camp and or summer workouts and all that when it comes around. So uh, hopefully the players buy in and we start getting some positive reports and, and continue to build momentum for next season because there's always one around the corner. Yes, there is. And, uh, I mean, he's going to have a, a cupboard full of good talent. Now, we know we did have some issues. You know, we've had a lot of turnover in uh, the, the secondary in general. Uh, but we at least know that some guys it's, we're going to have some 
consistency back there. Hopefully it's well, consistency, not in level of play. Hopefully we get better over this off season, but Sage Ryan's coming back, you know, for better or worse, depending on how you see it. But I think that's still a good thing. It's at least we're going to have some experience. Hopefully with some better coaching, we get more potential. Same with major burns. He's coming back. Okay. And we're, um, we do, we have the transfer portal. We, we got another guy out of the portal, um, which kind of segues into our, you know, off season recruiting, which includes the transfer portal. Uh, I think we're going to be sitting pretty good. Uh, you know, I know Mason Smith said he was going to the pros, right? He already declared. Correct. Yes. God bless him. Well, I mean, good luck. we do need to find some good starters in depth at defensive line and quarterback, but or cornerback, but I'm hoping that's where this transfer portal and uh, you know our recruiting class can come into play. Granted, the recruiting class that was just came out was for 2025, but still worth mentioning. Uh, Daniel, I know you usually have the particulars for that, but I was going to ask you this uh, because of who they got. So this trifecta of quarterback, running back, wide receiver, like did the did the Tigers make history? with this one, you know, if this, if things hold as they are, like, well, does that ever happen? I'm not sure. So the, the big story, um, in LSU land the past couple of days was on the sixth, three days ago, Bryce Underwood, number one player in the country, number one quarterback in the country in the 2025 class committed to LSU over Michigan, recent national champion, Michigan, as well as Colorado. And he's coming from Belleville, Michigan. So he was fighting off the hometown team, and yeah, just really bought into what Brian Kelly and Joe Sloan, the quarterbacks coach, have been doing. Obviously, Jaden Daniels winning the Heisman this past year is a big boost in that direction, showing that we can develop quarterbacks two and five years winning the Heisman Trophy. And Bryce Underwood wanted to be a part of that. So it's a obviously a huge pickup for LSU, biggest recruit since Leonard Fournette, I think in 2013, uh, when he was like the number one overall player. So uh, been 10 years since we got a guy like that in the class. And that's paired with the number one wide receiver in the country, DeCorian Moore, who we had already uh, got a commitment from. And then Harlan Berry, uh, number one running back in the country out of New Orleans, who just committed a couple of weeks ago. So uh, that's really huge uh, offensive skill pieces across the board. And having those players is only going to lead to more benefits, I think, in the future, because then other guys across the country are going to say, like, LSU's got something special going on down there in the bayou. I want to be a part of that. Um, and usually the quarterbacks are like the linchpin of these classes. Mm-hmm. Like once a top quarterback commits, that's when other pl- dominoes start to fall and players are like, all right, I want to be with this guy. And they ca- kind of act as that liaison or that proxy for the university and bringing other top talent in because they go to all these camps with these other guys and they say, Hey man, like we got good stuff coming down on the, uh, coming down at LSU, come play with me. We can do something special. And I really hope things like that will continue we've only got eight commitments for 2025 and it's over or almost a year until signing day. So holding on to all three of these guys and more is certainly going to be a challenge every day. I hope Joe Sloan is on the phone with Bryce Underwood lock, making sure he's locked in. Um, but at least right now, things are looking very positive in that direction. And the 2024 class for LSU in terms of recruiting was good, but not great. Yeah. But 2025, at least at this point, has the makings of something really special. So I hope that keeps going and a lot of positivity uh, in that regard for Brian Kelly and the rest of LSU football. 
Yeah, I mean, it feels like it feels like this is this is the type of class. If it, if it holds and and you know, well, if it holds with who we've got right now, like you said, this is a very special class. But um, Keelan Moses, who's the LSU or the the Baton Rouge product out of University High, so just across the street from LSU, brother of of uh, uh, Dylan Moses, the the famous linebacker for Alabama. Um, he he hinted, I think, after Bryce Underwood. Uh, committed didn't you see the thing where he's like this is just the beginning of this class y'all don't even know what's coming next so mm-hmm. you know theoretically they're working on he, you know he's working and he's kind of being that that leader of the class recruiting his, his colleagues um that's weird that sounds <laughs> that sounds very professional his colleagues recruiting his, <laughs> his you know fellow players anyways um, yeah really uh and so I mean, they, yes, they, we've got a chance. And this is this is already it feels like this is the type of class we haven't seen in in years. Like you said, Daniel, we had Leonard Fournette. That was, you know, one I remember. And then um, but also like, you know, maybe you'd have to go back to one of those classes where you had like. I, I remember Sam Montgomery, Barkevius Mingo, uh, Eric Reed, and Tyron Matthew and. Uh, uh, was it Ruben Randall? Like all of, of these players were all in the oh, same yeah. class at one point. Odell, Zeta, all like they were all like sophomores the same year, so you know, freshmen the same year. So, um, it's been a while since we've had a very stacked class across different position groups. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I go ahead. I was gonna say, and just the tone at the very, very top level, like top five nationally. Um, we mentioned Leonard Fournette, and then other than that, we had Derek Stingley in 2019. He was like number one, or possibly number one athlete as, at the cornerback position. But then besides that, you got to go back a few years, and you're looking at guys like uh, Patrick Peterson. I'm looking at LSU's all time list right now. Patrick Peterson, 2008 class. Um, like we got Russell Shepard in 2009. Malachi so Dupree. Yeah. yeah. So um, that was kind of in the early less mile era when he was getting some some five stars and then a bit of a lull but um it's hard not to get too excited here and, and a lot of things can change but uh you kind of you kind of love to see it when he pulled out that lsu 19 jersey i, w- I was on instagram he announced it live on instagram he had over fourteen thousand people watching live which is kind of crazy uh so a lot of people were invested in this and um good on him and hopefully we can keep the ball rolling right and this this all kind of ties back to when Brian Kelly was first hired, people had a lot of doubts, especially when he had his introductory appearance at the PMAC. You know, he was his accent. Yeah. Uh, they were like, is this guy really going to be able to connect and recruit guys in the South or to Louisiana at all? Uh, I don't know. Does, do you think this kind of puts an end to all that? So does this, does this finally answer that question? Well, well, you know, and, and it's been a process. We've talked about it many times on this podcast. It feels like, like this is this is honestly this class, like what it's shaping up is what we've talked about not having with Brian Kelly for the past couple of years. And maybe that's I'm not going to say it's by design because it's not like you're going to go out there and say, yeah, we don't want five star athletes. We don't want five star playmakers this year. We're going to wait till next year. But you know, it's, it might be a priority thing. And I I feel like for the past two years. Brian Kelly's strong priority has been we're going to build the offensive line. That is something we've been deficient at for, gosh, over 10 years now. Something that he's been he, – that he had a lot of success at at Notre Dame. Um, and so – and he's done that. Now, and now it seems like we have a good base of guys who are going to be here for a while. 
you know, we've got uh, and, and who are talented and proving themselves um, with more on the way. And now, you know, maybe he's going out there and being a little bit flashier. So, um, you know, it's kind of it's kind of cool to see that. Yeah. Like, when have we had a, a five star leave basically because he couldn't get on the field only because he did not <laughs> he did not unseat the existing five star from his own position he wanted from his own right. school high school <laughs> right i mean we're talking like it's so random like it, all he had to do is decide to play somewhere else and you know he wouldn't be transferring but that's specific to him and you know so be it more more power to him but i mean i think brian brian kelly is doing a good job and yeah what, what was it uh 2019 we we did have the 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 best offensive line voted in college football right yep guess what you could see why. So happy with all that. Uh, did want to mention this because I mentioned it earlier, uh, but the cornerback LSU did get out of the transfer portal is actually a New Orleans native. He he did go to Warren Easton High, but he he transferred. Uh, he finished high school in Cincinnati, uh, so that's why he actually went to Ohio State. But Jair Brown is transferring to LSU. He actually had the most snaps on defense of any true freshman. Uh, in 22 at Ohio State. Playing time went down a little bit last year, but Brian Kelly bringing another native son back home. I mean, the guy's, he's, he's, I don't want to say it's like, I mean, it is purposeful. Like he, he said he wanted to do that, but it's just weird that it's like somebody that's not even been in Louisiana for years, kind of finished high school outside of Louisiana, but he's still bringing them back. So there's, there's definitely something about playing, at LSU with these guys, right? Yeah. Yeah. It seems like there's almost some sort of open invitation to anyone with Louisiana connections. It's like, if you're dissatisfied with your current (laughs) school, then like LSU will welcome you with open arms. And we, we need depth at the cornerback position. We had this same type of story last year. We brought in like five transfer guys and they were all down by like week six. Yeah. Um, Let's hope that doesn't happen again, but I guess uh, warm bodies will, will do the trick. So got to load up Blake Baker's uh, arsenal with athletes, at least. And if you can play for Ohio state, you can probably play for LSU. So um, glad to have him. Yeah, exactly. Wait, who was Uh, that guy? Who was the guy that we got from Ohio state? Was it last year? He ended up uh, J.K. Johnson. He like broke his leg before the season even started. I think. Yeah, there, there was there were seven seven banks. Seven banks. Him. That's, that's what, what I was. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I was. And thinking. he just kind of disappeared. Disappeared. I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> he, yeah, he didn't. I don't even know if he ever touched the field. I was so excited for Mister Seven coming, but. Right. Well, I think that was pretty much it for our recruiting. Right. I mean, I don't know. A Kane actually declared for the NFL losing him but obviously no shortage uh that's it kind of goes along with logan diggs uh wanting to transfer to no destination yet i don't think but obviously lsu is not worried about its running back room we've got some good guys already and we're bringing in top running back recruits so not not too worried about that uh but was there was there anything else as far as recruiting transfer otherwise that we missed or did we hit it all? No, I think that's it. LSU, I think, is still a five or six guys over the um, the scholarship cap. So expect a few more people in the next couple of weeks to either declare for the NFL or announce their transfers out. Hopefully that can come without too much impact on um, our starters and all that. But 
uh, it's the the nature of college football now is out with the old and with the new. So a story that will probably be constantly telling over the next couple of years on the pod and longer. Yeah. Yeah. And it works with the, the players and the coaches. It's just it's a never ending cycle. Uh, but moving on to uh, basketball, men's and women's have been doing pretty good. Uh, now we knew the women's were, I mean, they haven't lost since that first quiz. I think it's like 15 games in a row now. Uh, they're still number seven in the country. Started out SEC play with a nice win against Ole Miss. LSU men's team, though, they, I mean, we got a winning record, which is great. <laughs> which is great. But, I mean, we, I think we had a pretty impressive road game against uh, A&M and ended up breaking a, a 13-game road losing streak. Uh, so really good with that. I know uh, it's probably all due to having uh, this, this one player able to play for us who's kind of made a little bit of a difference. Uh, but I don't know. Is it too early to give Matt McMahon some, some credit for, I don't know, like it, I'm gonna, I just don't know if it's, go ahead, you're going to cut me off? Well, I, I watched some of the, or most of the, the game against A&M, and I was happy that they won. They played with, Heart actually, which is not what we've seen from LSU always in the last couple of years. They were decent at shooting and moving the ball. They certainly had some struggles um, at the free throw line and with fouls. Those are common problems that we've had recently, also. But yeah, they they looked like a, if not a dominant basketball team, at least a reasonably competent one, which we haven't had that over the past year. Although I was going to um, kind of caution us on that one because last year we had had a good um, non-conference schedule. I think we were like 13 and one or something. Hopes were high. And then our very first conference game was against Arkansas, who at the time was nationally ranked like number 12 or something. And we beat Arkansas. And then it was like, all right, basketball, we're kicking in here. Uh, And then it was after that, it didn't go so well. True. Yeah. I think we only won one sec game the whole season after that. Uh, And we, we didn't win a single road game, which we did against A&M. So that's good. But it, it wasn't sunshine and daisies after one game in the SEC, and we kind of repeated against uh, last year. Now that we've beaten A and M, so uh, we, they're they're playing Vanderbilt tonight. So that'll probably be over before we release this um, game number two. If we can win that one and get some momentum building, then we'll be happy. But uh, don't count your chickens before they hatch. the The stands will still be filled up for the women more than the men, unless things uh, shift drastically. Yeah, I'm I'm not holding my breath on this basketball team. I, I like like Daniel said, I liked what I saw from um from the game this past weekend, but uh I don't know. It's just I this this is like maybe this is like a, a, a you know a tired take, but I miss Will Will Wade. Like it just <laughs> doesn't feel like this team this team doesn't have as much edge as they as we used to with him at the at the helm, you know. Um just kind of miss that and and i do i think we're gonna be do i think we're gonna be great no do i think we could be okay yeah maybe but i I just don't have a lot of hopes for this team um i mean part of me is almost just like you know what let's just get on to baseball sure okay but what about this because yeah you may not have high hopes of us being great but that's the thing is if if you just at least make it into the dance maybe you don't have to be it's like can LSU at least be dangerous? Because when we have been good recently, it's because we had some undeniable great talent 
mostly at the I'd say the you know the shooting or point guard point position. guard like yeah you had a Trenton Watford or Cam Thomas I don't know from what you've guys have seen would you say that Jalen Cook could be that guy like is are we close or is it still kind of well he's he certainly made a difference um now that he's able to play given that the NCAA put his uh transfer waiver situation on hold uh and in the first game he played against texas we were close but no cigar uh and then we've won the three games since then and so he, he's definitely good at facilitating moving the ball adding a little pop to the offense because he can score off the dribble as well as um dish the basketball and we yeah we haven't had that true point guard recently it's been just a bunch of randoms kind of doing their best filling the role and yeah he can uh, keep the offense flowing and it's not really like the ISO ball like Will Wade would play whenever we would have like Javante Smart running the point guard where it's pretty much slash or one pass and shoot um, it's a little bit more with the ball around and uh, try and look for the open shot which which is fine it's a different style of offense but Jalen Cook I think fits well into that role and so hopefully we can continue to at least uh, be competitive in the sec we don't have to beat tennessee and kentucky every week but at least give the the lower uh of the pack teams a run for their money and then most people will ha- be happy yeah i mean it's yeah, not we're I not a basketball think... school and uh and i mean definitely you know definitely after last season so if we put a competitive product on the court i think like daniel said you know most people will be happy but um i don't know i just don't have a high hopes really well, like I said, maybe we don't have to. Maybe that's a good thing. Like we we don't have hopes, so there's there's no pressure on on. Yeah, them. they can't maybe let us down. Just... <clears throat> exactly. I mean, although it is worth mentioning, Jordan Wright was named as co-SCC Player of the Week um, against because of his performance against A and M. But there's no pressure. Like, oh, we we're so talented. We we better win this. Or we better do this. I'd say if we just have a winning record probably you know 750 and above i'd say that's a win for the program if we make the tournament even better but like if lsu could like do some damage maybe by then because a lot of basketball still left to be played like we just started the sec play we still got all of that sec tournament and hopefully by then like i said we're still sitting at 750 winning percentage or above lsu makes a tournament maybe we can just be a dangerous team you know, that's I'd be yeah. happy with that. Maybe we make it to the Sweet 16. I think that would be overachieving at this point from what we kind of expected. You know? Yeah, I think I, I agree. Uh, yeah. And, and then I was going to say, as far as the women, they're, they're doing their things since that first game against Colorado. They've won 15 in a row and they uh, took down their first two SEC games against Missouri and Ole Miss. Ole Miss team is pretty good as well. Uh, this season's shaping up a lot like last year where it's almost a, a one game SEC schedule. They have that one game against South Carolina, January 25th circled on the calendar. It's at home this year. Hopefully we can win that one, but South Carolina number one in the country, similar to last year when we went there and we lost that one. Um, what obviously we ended up winning the national championship, but if we can get some revenge there, that'll be good. Uh, but they're playing well and Kim Mulkey is, continues to prove why Scott Wilbert hired her and definitely, um, a, a proud point for LSU and the university as a whole and drawing big crowds as they should and uh, playing entertaining basketball. So uh, definitely a complimentary sport to the traditional football and, and baseball that LSU fans enjoy. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. In addition to that, I would say 
Mulky just being who she is kind of helps bring some of that excitement, you know? You know, oh, it's yeah. never going to be boring, especially not with her outfits. Didn't they even have like a, a Kim Mulkey dress like Kim Mulkey? Night night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Everybody exactly. was like in their sequins and stuff. That's awesome. And that's what you want. I mean, no, it gets people excited. It's it's a great environment. It's I a, just um, hope they, <laughs> she's, they she's a the great yet, though. She's like, a, I think she's just a great, um, uh, representative for the university to have whether i mean she yeah. helps you know she's and and she's somebody who's going to help matt mcmahon or or whoever the next or whoever the basketball coach is while she's here you know they will help each other well she'll probably help more than more to the men than, than the men will help the women but because the same it's going to be this you know similar facilities it's going to be if they're going to build the the if they're going to build something like a new pmac the guys and the girls are going to use it so um or upgrade the pmac uh, and so I think, you know, it's it's a great uh, relationship for us to have. And I'm, gl- I'm obviously glad she's here. Right. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, it would be amazing if they finished this year kind of like they did last year. Right. Where it's like you said, it, it could be a one game season. But I mean, that was really the only loss that they had. Uh, and they corrected it in the in the tournament. Now, I was still doing their thing. Who knows? Maybe they'll see Caitlin and, and the Hawkeyes again. And cause I mean, that chick's tearing it up. So it'll be interesting to see how it all shakes out. I just hope the LSU men's team, uh, just does well. Um, but like I said, we're, we're probably going to be so consumed with baseball season. Once that gets going, I mean, I saw something where LSU's got, remember last year it was like, we had what? maybe a, a couple left-handers. We got double-digit lefties now. So a lot of excitement about the LSU baseball season. I think we can kind of put it on the back burner. We will get to it. Yeah, we'll get, we've got folks. plenty of time to, to get to the dot. <laughs> we, we got you. We got you. Uh, but I don't know. Anything else for, for tonight, guys? I think that's all. Um, I guess watch the NFL playoffs since there's no more college football, no Saints, no Bengals, Joe Burrow, which is kind of sad, but uh, I guess we'll tune in to, to something and see how that shakes out. But yeah, there'll be news. Well, something always happens and uh, yeah, good week. Yep. Good to be back with y'all. Yeah. Happy New Year. Well, I guess we, we had a New Year's podcast too, but Happy New Year yeah. again. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and man, speaking of the Saints, uh, I mean, they... It's it's another disappointing because I mean they with the pinch was there all they had to do was really win one game. I look back at the Packers game where they just blew a huge lead uh, in the fourth quarter. Uh, otherwise, they'd be playing this weekend. But you saw the the final play against the Falcons. Yes, I'm really not mad. I, I can understand why the Falcons coach at least would be upset because uh, I didn't know it was a victory formation thing. So the Saints had a victory formation on the goal line. But they wanted to get this one player a touchdown, and I guess the players decided in the huddle they had a mutiny against the head coach, yeah. which I think is a separate issue. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but they got they got the player his touchdown. Falcons fans weren't happy, but hey, whatever. It's a rivalry. I I don't really care. I can definitely understand their frustration, but for why they did it is different than let's just embarrass the Falcons. Yeah, that's not why they did it. It was more about giving this guy his props. So surely they as players can at least understand that. 
I, you yeah, I think so. I, I mean, I, I do, I do feel for on the fact that it was in a victory formation. Uh, I know that's, that's kind of that is kind of like it's kind of lame. That's cruel. <laughs> it's like running fake Neil and Madden. Yeah, right, right. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Saints are out. Unfortunately, It'd be interesting to see what happens there because, yeah, I mean, if your if your players don't listen to the coach, there's definitely some issues there. But he's the head coach, so they can't really go in there and. Hey, coach, we want you gone. They, they got to talk to old Gail Benson about that, probably. I just don't see that changing. I mean, they finished with a winning record, so they'll probably keep them. Right? Yes, man, I don't think they year. should, but that's, the Saints seem to be, uh, they seem to be very, very happy with middling. And so uh, right. that's, what, that's what he's delivering. Yeah, I'd say the whole division is happy with that, too, by the way. That's true, yeah. But, um, anyway, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see. I'm sure we'll end up with uh, at least one other LSU player playing for a Super Bowl. It'll be interesting to see who it might be. Uh, probably could be Odell with the Ravens, right? Yeah. Um, uh, but anyway, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll cover that when it happens. I think that'll do it for us here on Talking Tigs. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll have some more good stuff for you next week, as we always do. You know, something big drops after we record so stay tuned for some more big news next week but until then stay safe stay tuned and we will talk to you next time on talking to you